little bit weird. Um, so for January 2023, I've decided that I will be the guest on my own podcast, which, yes, it does seem quite odd, but I thought it'd be really nice for me to actually put myself in the spotlight, as I do when I talk to other photographic artists, and just let you know a little bit more about me, um, in case you're interested. And so, yeah, so I'm going to actually sort of ask myself the types of questions I would ask anyone else taking part in the podcast. I don't know how this is going to work. It might sound completely bizarre. I don't know whether I'm just going to talk to myself in the third person or the first person. Oh, I'm so confused already. But anyway, here we go. This is a little bit about me. Josie Purcell, the host of the Photo Pastine podcast. I hope you enjoy. So my background, how did I get into photography? Um, I guess going back to when I was a small child, I was fascinated by the old Polaroid camera that was kept on top of the wardrobe and was only brought out for, for special occasions, I think holidays. Um, I vaguely remember using it to take photos of my brother when I was a child. Um, I don't think I took particularly good photos, um, but that is probably where my first relationship with photography began. But it was actually when I left school. Um, I knew that uh, at school I wanted to do photography, but only in the sense of when asked what I wanted to do when I left school, um, I said I wanted to be a war photographer. At that time, when I'd been a bit younger, the Falkland War had taken place. And I think that had sort of stayed with me in the sense of I, I really struggled with why humans went to war. I didn't understand it. And, and I wanted to go and, and sort of show the horror of war um, and, and sort of basically use photography as a tool to change people's minds and persuade them that war isn't the answer. But career advisors did say, maybe maybe think of, of something else instead. I did go on to study photography at college. I went there for about four years and then had various jobs as a photographic assistant in a commercial studio, um, worked as a medical photographer. I actually did that twice. Um, really fascinating job as well. Um, and I also had a period of time working in a portrait studio um, but this was sort of always through my 20s and and I wasn't the tw my 20s probably weren't the best time for me personally um, and I sort of lost my way with photography I would say and then in my 30s things started to change I actually retrained as a journalist um, and I loved doing that I think this thing about telling stories um, is something that's always been an intrigue to me and perhaps um, without being aware of it, something I've always naturally leaned towards. Um, so yes, yeah, so I worked as a journalist for a while and that gave me a lot of satisfaction, but the niggle to go back to photography and follow the photographic sort of journey that I wanted to, to go on. For me, there was this just something that kept gnawing away at me. Um, and 
I decided that I would go back to my photographic roots, but I would actually try to create something more aligned to my growing interest in, in environmental matters. Um, I volunteered with Greenpeace for a little bit and I was sort of learning more and more about um, environmental issues um, and things that we really needed to start thinking about. And so back in 2012-ish, I set up my eco darkroom, um, Shutter Hub. Oh, sorry, Shutter Hub. That's, that's, that. oh, what happened there? <laughs> Shutter Pod. <laughs> but a big shout out for Karen and the crew at Shutter Hub there. So I set up my eco darkroom, Shutter Pod. Um, and that was where I created workshops um, to share my passion for processes such as anthotype, cyanotype, um, non-fixed lumens, that sort of thing. So processes where I was trying to minimise my photographic footprint um, and, and share that with others. So yeah, so I did that whilst working for, for a number of years and I'm still doing it now. I still have, have Shutterpod um, in addition to Photopocene. Um, but I'm now actually looking at uh, possibly making Photopocene a CIC because my dream has really always been to try and bring environmental photographic art and photography and uh, photographers to, to Cornwall where I'm based. Often living in very, um, not so much rural, but certainly areas where there's a long distance to travel to places where things that you might want to see, exhibitions, um, can be curtailed because of the time, because of the finances needed to, to make these journeys, um, etc, etc. I wanted to try and find a way to, to try and share more work, um, in areas that and for people who can't easily access um, and get to these places can't easily perhaps travel to London um, can't afford to whatever the circumstances um, so that's sort of still on the cards and something that I'm still hoping to do but I think for me my photography has always been about how it can support our natural world and I guess if I stopped believing it could, I'd probably stop creating. But I do genuinely feel that photography gives many things a voice that don't have a voice of their own. Lots of different circumstances. Um, I guess that expression about a photo can say a thousand words or, or whatever it is. <laughs> um, certainly can do so but for me the way I work I'm really drawn towards non-figurative and abstract image making so I'm really fascinated about how images that really aren't representational you know they don't document or or as in you know they're not street photography there's there's not necessarily a, a human reference in them this desire to see how um, maybe the value of it, what the value of it is to the world, um, is why I've gone on to now look at um, studying for a PhD. 
Um, my research question asks how abstract and eco-consciously made photographic art can influence the human connection to riverine spaces and fresh water as a vital resource. So how it can help um, enhance, improve, connect, create relationships with river habitats and freshwater environments, but also if it has the potential to help people see fresh water in the UK, and I'm particularly focusing on the West Country and Cornwall, um, how people see fresh water as, as vital as a resource. Um, we're very fortunate where I live to have water on tap. You know, it can mean that you take it for granted, it's always there. And yet, um, in my, what I call my, my day job, working for an environmental charity that specifically restores and protects rivers, I've learned an awful lot about the challenges that our, our river habitats face um, from various sources, um, lack of investment for a start off in infrastructure around sewage, um, agricultural runoff, but also sort of climate change impacts, um, and again, how we use our, our, our sort of water resources um, and, and what do we know about them? Do we know enough about the potential for us to have scarcity of water in this region? Um, I'm still in an area where there is a hosepipe ban um, and this is you know, due to um, drier summers, etc., um, it can sometimes be hard to comprehend these things, I think, just in everyday life, um, because we do still have water, we're not without water, um, but it's certainly worth, I think, considering these things. And I want my photography and the work I do to perhaps help with these connections that people have with with their surroundings and with the natural world and, and, and sort of an understanding of that. I'm also really keen to use my work to, to question, I guess, the status quo, um, how things have always been done in the UK, particularly England at the moment in relation to our, our rights to roam and access uh, to the landscapes we, we've created. You know, this is all linked with, with land ownership and, and uh, yeah, just this sense of enclosures um and really really trying to understand what people want how they want to access nature if it isn't right on their doorstep um how we can make sure that um everyone has the ability if they desire to to be immersed in green and blue surroundings. We know there's been so much research, we are aware that having this is really vital to our well-being. Um, and so, you know, I want my work to, to have, to help those conversations. Only this weekend, I'm recording on the 22nd of January, yesterday, there was a protest in Dartmoor due to um, landowner wanting to stop wild camping or wild camping i.e. without permission um, 
on the land that he owns in Dartmoor. Um, so that sort of in effect means now there is no legal sort of right to, to wild camp anywhere in England. Um, you know, there's only 97% of rivers are, are, are sort of, there's no access for people. And it's just this sort of idea of being corralled into smaller and smaller spaces and so yeah so for me this is what photography is all about it's 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 about supporting these sometimes difficult and divisive conversations um particularly when the outcomes that you want are really outcomes that would would give a benefit to a wider society everything is interlinked ecology you know eco-conscious photography all these things it's about interlinking and, and seeing the links and connecting the dots um so yeah so for me that is how i would love my photography and photography sort of as, as a wider tool um to tell the stories to to help people understand the stories and and sort of create access to to different ways of thinking and seeing um so that's that's sort of i guess where i'm coming from and i'm probably rambling now um it's very different when you're trying to interview yourself from when i'm just the person interviewing <laughs> so i really appreciate when people take part in the podcast how um it can sort of uh, perhaps seem as enjoyable yet a challenge at the same time things that interest me in my work I mean obviously environmental matters um other projects have touched on our use of plastic um I I've looked at sort of um using an, an allotment again um I have an allotment space and I have a project that looks at sort of this allotted land um I've done some work around my own recycling habits um so lots of sort of different topics along along those lines um and i really love sort of the connections between arts and science as well i, I like to sort of think about the anthropocene sort of the human impact but but this sort of other word as well that that's that, that's been created sort of capitalocene so i look at those hyper objects solastalgia all these different sort of ideas around how we relate to and respond to environmental um, challenges. But I love the marvels of science. I am fascinated by the mystery of folklore and fables. Um, I'm really intrigued by heritage and, and ancestry um, and also the history of photography. Um, for me, one of the sort of biggest not so much influence on my work although I certainly think from using the cyanotype is obviously Anna Atkins I don't think you can really talk about cyanotype without talking about Anna Atkins um, who was uh, back in sort of the 1840s mid 1840s created um, the what is classed as the first photo book which she created through sort of her collection of, of um, different plants ferns um algae or you know sort of lots of different things so i try to sort of predominantly use nature orientated processes and it's really hard to do that i think sometimes and and to sort of stick to that completely i have to use technology if i want to share my 
stories. You know, I'm not anti-digital or anti-tech. I just think we need to sort of consider how we, we use these things and, and find a way to be comfortable in our own decisions so that we're happy, you know, and, and, and feel we can certainly, not necessarily justify, but argue our decision-making process if it's ever challenged. Um, you know, the photographic industry is has been and still is reliant on, on you know, mined materials. Use, you know, if you use cloud storage, you use servers, etc., to to sort of hold data and... There's so many different aspects when you when it comes to thinking about where you're comfy in the creation and production of work. You know, do you make very small works because it's less material than if you're making really huge prints? Um, and it really is just around finding your balance. Um, and if you're, you know. I look at it and I think, well, this is probably why I want to know that my work is is having some sort of influence, positive influence on the people who see it. Whether that means that other photo artists, upcoming photo artists have seen my work and it gives them an idea to do something. Whether it means working with other people collaboratively that, that are trying to do the similar things. Um, you know, whatever that is, it, it's it's sort of... Yeah, finding your way, I think, um, and it will. We will always have an impact on on the world around us. We can't help that, but it's just um, finding your your sort of way to create. So I don't. I'm not prolific in in creating work. Um, I'm not creating huge amounts of work. Um, I think sometimes, maybe, and I could be wrong, but sometimes I I certainly personally feel like oh, maybe I'm not creating enough work maybe I should be doing more um, but that doesn't really sit necessarily for, for me um, I, I don't need to churn out work um, but I, when I make the, the artwork I make I, I'm just really keen that, that someone somewhere <laughs> takes something from it um, so that's probably me in a bit of a nut shall um uh, it's quite difficult i'm going to be honest it's quite difficult interviewing myself um what else can i tell you i got my ma in photography in 2018 um my arena now was actually my final major project for that um i've since been a visiting lecturer with the university um, and I'm now a PhD candidate, PhD candidate with them um, under the university's environmental futures, um, which is really exciting. Um, obviously, I've got the Photopocene podcast. I am this year having to scale things back a little bit and I will be recording a conversation with other photo artists on a monthly basis. So there are 30 plus recordings already. Um, but I will be just doing 12 this year just to make things a little bit more manageable um, due to the PhD. Um, but do look out for that. The next recording will be with a fantastic photographer called Maria Primo. And I'm really, really excited to talk to her um, and, and obviously everyone else. Um, if you wanted to find out more about me, then please go to josiepurcellphotography.com. 
and you can go to the about page read a bit more there have a look at my work read my blog um, and also link through to all the other photopocene recordings already made um, i've been really really um fortunate to take part in quite a lot of um events in the last few years exhibitions festivals etc um, but i am really excited that in february um i'm taking part in the Exposure Photography Festival in Canada um, and that's with the TEND Collective that I am part of with our silent protest group show. Um, this is all online and we're having a curator's talk and artist talk online on February the 12th. So as with everyone else please do have a look at the the details below the photo, the, the podcast and and go through and have a look there and do join us on February the 12th if you can and for social media I've got Twitter I've got Facebook but to be honest now I tend to only really use my Instagram account so you can find me um, at Josie Shutterpod so Go take a look there. I share things about the podcast, about upcoming work, and, and I've probably got a little bit more angsty in relation to land access rights just just recently. So you can sometimes see some other things that might make me a little bit more annoyed. So do please head over there, head to my webpage. Um, I hope this has helped you find out a little bit more about me. And yeah, I'll see you next time in February when I'm back in the interviewer seat rather than the interviewee seat. Take care and I'll see you soon. Bye.